this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. ball sports a bit as well. Is that all right? I feel like there's a bit of a theme today. Thank you. I also quite like ball sports. Some, not all. Cricket, it's my choice. I do love cricket. John's really getting into golf at the moment. I'm not a fan, but I get to hear a lot about it. So that's fun. I don't really have anything else to say about ball sports. (laughs) I just wanted to be part of the conversation. (laughs) Anyway, as Byron said, we are kicking off a new series in our church today that we will be speaking about in the month of May, and it is called Today's True Temples. So we are looking at the temples of the Holy Spirit. Uh, So what it means to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. Um... So what do those temples look like today and what does that mean for us? So the title of my message today is A Temple That Contains the Presence of God. So we'll be looking at how did people, you know, way back in the Old Testament and how do we today access the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Hallelujah, God. Thank you for your presence here today. Just get a sense right now of his presence in this room right now. Thank you, God, that you are here, that you make your presence known to us, that you sent your Holy Spirit to dwell amongst us in our hearts so that we could be close to you. And we long for that closeness right now, God. We open up our hearts to receive it. Even this morning, Lord, bring us closer to you through your word, through your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise God. So, what is a temple? So a temple, uh, in biblical terms, I suppose, is really just a place where God meets with his people. So where we experience the presence of God. And to understand the significance of the temple, I suppose, we really need to go back to the very beginning, to the Garden of Eden. That is where... God first met with his people. So he created the world, he created Adam and Eve. And as we know, there was no separation between God and man in the garden. In Genesis, it says that God walked and talked with Adam. They had a face-to-face relationship. God was truly with his people in every possible way that he could be with them. They had this 
beautiful, perfect and intimate relationship. Of course, we know what happened then. Adam and Eve rebelled against God and they were cast out of the garden. And so all of a sudden, there was this separation between us and God. So ultimately, God knew that Jesus would come and would bridge that gap that was between us and God. But until then, God still desperately wanted to be with his people. When that happened in the garden, it was so significantly devastating that that separation would come between us and God. It was no small thing. For God, it was not just like, well, that's a shame. You know, we had a good thing going, but it's come to an end. wonder what we can do about that. It was not a small thing. It was hugely significant. And from that point on, God never, never stopped pursuing his people because of his awesome and incredible love for us. He kept on trying to make ways that we could connect with him. And one of the ways that happened was through the temple. So in March, earlier this year, our church did a series on uh, the church and Israel, so God's chosen people, the Israelites, and we looked at the tabernacle, uh, which was built by Moses and the Israelites, um, and that was their sacred meeting place where they could meet with God. So in um, Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, it says, God said to Moses, have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Because, like I said, he wanted to be with them. There wasn't that closeness and that intimacy that he had with Adam and Eve in the garden. That wasn't there, but he still wanted to create a way where we could experience his presence. And so he told Moses to make the tabernacle a sanctuary, and what a sanctuary it was. If you've ever read in Exodus, it's, it's, it's truly amazing, this structure that they created. They worked hard. They provided all of the materials themselves. And I don't know if you've ever, ever wondered, but I wondered, why didn't God just give them a temple? Like he created the whole world. He could have clicked his fingers and boom, there's a temple. It would have been just perfect and amazing and beautiful. But he didn't do it that way. He said to the people, you make it. He said, I will tell you exactly how to do it, how to build it, what to use, but you do it. He even had the people bring the materials as an offering. God said to Moses, call an offering so the people can bring what we need to build this temple. And they absolutely came to the party with that offering. In Exodus um, 38, it talks about 
all the materials that were used, they collected from this offering one ton of gold, over three tons of silver, two and a half tons of bronze, as well as other materials like wood, stone, jewellery and linen. They actually had to say, enough, like please stop bringing an offering because we've actually got too much. So why did God get them to do it? The answer is, it was for their own benefit. It was because they were blessed to be a part of building this incredible structure that would house the very presence of God. It was an awesome and incredible thing that they could bring their own offering and their own jewellery and gold and bronze and, and all of it, that they got to contribute. They were blessed by being able to contribute to this building. And it's the same for us. Like we know, I mean, Jesus says in the Bible, and we know that it is better to give than to receive. Because when you're a part of building something, we really are blessed. It's such a blessing to be a part of something that huge. Now, I'm not really a person who likes buying presents for people. Let's just be honest here. I don't want to buy a present for you, and I don't want you to buy a present for me. <laughs> Basically. Let's just lay it all out. It's because... I just, I, I hate the idea of someone buying a present for me out of obligation, like just because it's my birthday or whatever. I, I just, I'd so much rather that you didn't even bother. Like, come and see me, let's go out for a meal or a coffee, bring me a cake, that's fine, I'll have the cake. <laughs> but presents, like, don't, just don't worry, I, I, don't, I don't need presents. Um, and gets me in trouble a little bit sometimes because sometimes I forget that um, not everyone feels the same as me. <laughs> um, some people love presents and that's great. They love buying them, receiving them. It's like a whole big exciting thing. For me, it just is exhausting, like trying to think of something and then going and buying it and it's just all a whole big present thing. Um, but that's not 100% true. All, it's not true all the time. When I see something that I know someone will really love, then I am thrilled to buy it for them. So there is a little loophole there. Years ago, and I'm still taking <clears throat> credit for this present, <laughs> years ago, um, it was actually for Eleanor, who's a member of this church and not here today, um, but it was her birthday and she was having a party and I was like, oh, I'll see if I can find something for her. I didn't really know what to get her. But I was shopping and I came across this pair of leather gloves. And as soon as I saw them, I just knew that she would love them and that it was a really good gift for her. And so I bought them and she absolutely loved them and wore them. And it was just, you know, a really good gift for her. Um, so good, in fact, that I don't think I ever have to buy her anything ever again. <laughs> that gift was that good. But you know what I mean? Like... That, buying that gift was so exciting and so thrilling because she was happy, she was blessed by it. So that part of it, I do actually really enjoy. 
And it was the same for the Israelites when they built this temple. They got to be a part of it. They got to contribute. And it was the same for building this building. I mean, you know, I was there way back when we first bought it and, and I got to contribute financially and even be a part of actually putting this place together. I think I painted some rooms and that was maybe most of my contribution. <laughs> Come to think of it. Um, but I still got to be a part of it in a small way. And even if you weren't there back then, you're here now and there is still so many ways that you can contribute to this building. Like come to the working bee that's happening in a few weeks and, and you'll get a sense of it. It's not just ticking off things off a list to, to clean and, and garden. It's contributing to the house of God. And so that's what the Israelites got to experience by building this incredible temple. It was luxurious. It was ornate and detailed, like God had very, very specific instructions on how it was to be built and who could enter what parts and what they had to wear and how they had to clean themselves first and the sacrifices that were to be brought and how they were to be burnt. Like it was just, it was just amazing that they got to have that experience and God did that for them. He didn't just hand them a temple. He got them to build it with their own hands. So in the Old Testament, that was how God connected with his people, through the temple. And there were other temples built in the Bible. Um, You know, Solomon built a temple years later, which was like even twice the size of the tabernacle that the Israelites built and just as grand. So that was how the people experienced the presence of God through the temple. But then Jesus came. And we've just had Easter and we had a great celebration here at this church. And we read the passage of scripture out on Easter Sunday about how the curtain So there was a curtain in the temple that separated the inner rooms where it was called the Holy of Holies. In that place, only the priest was allowed to go. No one else could go there. And he could only go there under very specific circumstances at certain times of the year. Because that was where the very presence of God dwelt, the Holy of Holies. And so there was this big curtain that separated that room from the outer rooms of the temple. And we know that when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain tore in two because it was no longer needed. No longer was there that separation between us and God. We didn't need the priest anymore to be our representative, to enter the Holy of Holies and to go into the presence of God. That process, that old covenant was done with because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So Jesus rose from the dead after defeating death. But he didn't stay on earth with us, did he? He ascended into heaven And he left us the Holy Spirit. 
And so from that moment on, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer a building. It's no longer a physical place that we have to enter and then come out of again. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us because of what Jesus did on the cross. We can freely approach that throne of grace now. In 2 Corinthians 6, it says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. So before, there was one temple, one place where the presence of God dwelled, and now there are millions and millions, because we're it. We are the temple. So there used to be one specific design, you know, for this amazing building, and now no two temples are the same, because we are all different and created to be different. So how is this all possible? How do we become a temple of the Holy Spirit? It's all through the work of the Holy Spirit. And listen to what Jesus says before he goes to the cross and he's talking to the disciples about the Holy Spirit. And he says, uh, John 16 verse 7, But truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor, or the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then in verse 13, When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So what Jesus is saying there is that it's actually better for us if he goes away. Which is hard to understand, isn't it? Better for us that Jesus is no longer here on earth. But we've got to trust him when he says that, yes, it's actually better for you. It's for your benefit that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come and come in power. Now, it is a bit tricky understanding the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Like, he seems quite mysterious and he also seems pretty okay with that. Like looking through the Bible and, and trying to get an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does, it's, it's not always easy to pin him down. But I think that that's, that's okay. That's kind of how God made it. He's mysterious. But I feel like learning about the Holy Spirit is kind of like um, playing past the parcel. You remember that game? But I'm talking about the modern day past the parcel. So when I was a kid, past the parcel was all about that final awesome prize at the end. So unwrapping each layer was just getting it done. Like, come on, let's get to this end prize. But these days, <laughs> if you've got little kids and you go to parties, you'll know that there's a prize in every layer in past the parcel these days. And the music stops on every child, so they all get a prize. 
But I feel like that is kind of what it's like discovering the Holy Spirit. Like we unwrap these layers and there's a prize in every layer and there's always more to come. And that main prize, I don't actually know if we get the main prize here on earth or or maybe it's in heaven, I'm not sure. But I know that discovering the Holy Spirit is like winning a prize. And Jesus even said that. He called the Holy Spirit a gift. He says in Acts, before he goes into heaven, and I, there's no screen for it, sorry, but he says in Acts, so this is after he has risen from the dead and he's appeared to the disciples and he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't actually gift them with the Holy Spirit at that time. We know that that happens later on, you know, further into the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, um, which will be talked about during this series. But Jesus, he kind of builds this anticipation and this excitement he says, don't, don't leave this place. Like, stay here because what is coming is a gift and you don't want to miss out on it. And it's a gift for us. The Holy Spirit is our gift from God. In the Old Testament, um, there aren't a lot of kind of direct references to the Holy Spirit. We know that The Holy Spirit is there, absolutely, right from the beginning. Um, In Genesis, even before God created the world, the Holy Spirit was there. So the Holy Spirit is always working through the Old Testament and working in certain people and certain situations. But it it does appear to be kind of more of a a temporary thing that the Holy Spirit, he would come on certain people at certain times and then withdraw. In fact, the, the very first noted reference of the Holy Spirit coming on someone is in, coincidentally, Exodus, when they are building the tabernacle. Um, God chose a man named Bezalel, and he says uh, in Exodus 31, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze and all kinds of craftsmanship. So that was probably not the first time that the Holy Spirit had come upon someone, but it is the first time in the Bible that it's, it's noted, it's written down. And so God chose Bezalel uh, to be one of the head guys who was putting together this tabernacle, he was building it. And so he actually allowed the Holy Spirit to come upon him so he would be anointed to build the tabernacle. So, like I said, it was, it was more of a temporary thing. So as God directed, the Spirit would come upon certain people. But now, though, it's not like that for us. The Holy Spirit is not a temporary, every now and then kind of anointing that comes upon us. It's a 24-7 available all day, every day kind of thing. Because he's not just around, he's actually living inside of us. Because remember, like I said, we are the temple. 
So we are the building that houses the Spirit of God. So in that verse I read from 2 Corinthians, where it says, We are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. That's what it says in Genesis. God walked and talked with them. And now here he is saying again, this is what I will do for them. As they become the temples of the Holy Spirit, I can walk and talk with them again. So he recreates that intimate relationship that he had with Adam and Eve, with us, inside of us. So what's it like to be a temple of the Holy Spirit? What's it like to have him come and make his home inside of us? So God says that he will live with us. So obviously living with someone is very different to just knowing them. It's quite an intimate thing, isn't it? Um, which is why married couples you know, move in together, live together. But living together doesn't necessarily guarantee a perfect relationship, does it? Like, have you ever lived with someone who you didn't get along with? Um, I haven't really, but my sister had this insane roommate once. She was living in Melbourne and she was a uni student and so she needed someone to help pay the rent. And she ended up living with this guy. I don't even know or remember his actual name. He was a law student and so my sister always just called him the lawyer. Like, and that gives you an indication of their relationship. They were not close and he was this weird guy. He didn't even have a bed. He just slept on the floor of his room. He would take up the bathroom, their one bathroom. He would spend an hour in there. And this is a guy, so it's kind of, you know, interesting. Um, I mean, he was nice and he, he paid the rent, but he was just very odd. Um, and so obviously, you know, there was no close relationship there even though they lived together they lived in the same house but really it was just like a passing hey how you going yeah how's your day it was shallow that was the extent of it and it, it can sometimes be a little bit like that with us and the holy spirit you know if we don't allow him to kind of come into our hearts and really have full reign it can be a bit like that where we know him, but we don't really know him. Or it can kind of be like, you know when you stay in a holiday rental and you've got access to all the bedrooms, but there might be that one room or that cupboard that's locked because that's the owner's stuff and you're not allowed to go in there. Sometimes we can actually be like that a bit with the Holy Spirit, can't we? You can come into this room and this room and this room, but not this room. So ultimately... For us, it's about yielding. It's about submitting our whole lives, our whole hearts, so that the Spirit of God can do his work in our lives. So listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 to 12. He says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, 
so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So while I feel like I may not fully understand the workings of the Holy Spirit, I can read that scripture and I can understand that the Holy Spirit knows what God knows. And if that's the case, then I definitely need the Holy Spirit in my life. Jesus also says throughout the Bible when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he says the Holy Spirit does not act of his own accord. He always acts with God and for God. So he's not going off and doing his own thing. He only does what God wants and he knows what God knows. So the Holy Spirit does not come upon us and live inside of us because we are holy. We can never make ourselves holy enough for the Holy Spirit. And it's good to know that from the start. So we don't try and try and try and fail and fail and fail because we're just not, we're not holy like that until we come before God and he makes us righteous. That's what the Bible says. So we don't have to try and be holy so that the Spirit can come and dwell inside of us. It's him who makes us holy. So this scripture says that we have rec- what, what we have received is not the spirit of the world. So the spirit of the world is, well, there's a very independent spirit out in the world, I would say. You know, a spirit that says, do your own thing. You decide what you want to do. Follow it at all costs. You know, do what's best for you, what works for you. It's all about you. There's also just a real spirit of anxiety out in the world. I mean, you can just look around and you can see that. And that's because there's so much uncertainty just in life. And so people don't know what to do. But we don't, we don't have that spirit. That's what Paul says here. He says, but, but the spirit who is from God, that's what we have received. So we don't have that, that independent spirit where we do things on our own and we don't have that spirit of anxiety because we're so uncertain all the time. I mean, we are often uncertain. Just being a Christian doesn't make our lives perfect. But even when there is uncertainty, we either get an answer from God or we get peace about the uncertainty. So either way, we win. Uh, For example, um, uh, a couple of years ago, John applied for a job. And he, so he was working, but he wanted this other job because it was better. And so he was offered the job, but then his old work still wanted to keep him and uh, he just didn't know what to do. He didn't know whether to go for the new job or stay with the old job. And it was, um, it was quite stressful because he had to make a decision and, and we just didn't know what to do. And so, you know, we really prayed, you know, we really submitted to God. John rang Pastor Chris and he's like, you know, can you pray for me? I really need wisdom here. And so for a few days it was like, I, I, I just don't know what to do. And 
one night and he had to make a decision. And so he went to bed one night still having no idea what to do, just not any clue. But he was in the Holy Spirit. And then the next morning at 5 o'clock in the morning, he woke up and he knew exactly what to do. He just knew. The answer was to take the new job. And it was totally right. He's been incredibly blessed in, in the new job. So it was, it was such a God thing. But just that going from having no clue what to do all the way to being like crystal clear on the answer. He just knew what to do. And that is the Holy Spirit. And you might have been in a situation similar where you didn't know what to do or you weren't sure but you, you felt guidance or you felt prompted to do something specific. And that's the Holy Spirit showing us what to do. Uh, another time, so when it came time for us to buy a house, um, we'd been looking and looking for about three months and we were getting kind of desperate uh, this was about five years ago and um, it was right before a boom and, and prices were going up in front of our eyes and, and you know, we were starting to get a bit concerned. Um, but I knew that God had a house for us and so I trusted God. And we went to look at this house one day, which was not on the list. So we had a, a list, if you've ever been house hunting, it's quite tedious and Saturday viewings and you know, your whole day is divided up into half an hour viewings. And so I, we had three houses to look at that day. Um, and this house that we looked at first wasn't even on my list. I'd seen it online. I disregarded it because I didn't like the look of it. And John said, oh, let's just have a look at it. And I was like, okay, fine. So we stopped by. Normally we would all get out of the car. We had two kids at the time, I think, um, and all have a look at it. But John was like, oh, you just go in and have a look at it. I was like, okay. So there were crowds of people out the front of this house waiting for it to open. So I went in and had a look at it. I didn't like it at all. It was dirty. It seemed old. Um, there were just so many people around. I could hardly get a sense of it. I just knew that I didn't like it. But when I came out of the house, John was waiting in the car, and he said, what, do you th what did you think of it? And for some reason, I can't fully explain it, I said, oh, yeah, it's all right. You should go and have a look at it. Like, I, I don't even remember why I don't all I know is that's the house we live in now <laughs> that's the house that we put an offer on and we bought and it's actually amazing and I love it <laughs> the Holy Spirit intervened completely like I, I didn't even know why I said that I didn't like it I, I fully remember not liking it there was a dog in the backyard and it was jumping up over people and I was just like, oh, I just want to get out of here. But God was like, actually, this is your house. So because I had trusted God with the whole process, I knew that God had a house for us. And because I was in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit could work in my life and through my mouth. And we got that house. And that I, I love our house so much. It's such a blessing. And so when we position ourselves 
so that the Holy Spirit can work through us, can move through us. He does. He works in our lives. And he takes away that, that spirit of the world, that, that uncertainty, that anxiety, that independence. And he takes control. So I hope that you are encouraged today to understand and to accept that you are a true temple of the Holy Spirit and to really open your heart to what that means for you and to let the Holy Spirit work in your life. So let's pray. Praise you, Lord. God, you are so good. You sent us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to dwell in our hearts. And we thank you. And God, truly, we desire to live our lives through the Holy Spirit, submitting completely to you so that you can work through us. And even now, God, we just yield. We just lay down our whole lives so that you can work through us in whatever way you want because we know that your ways are better than our ways. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your great and awesome love for us. In the name of Jesus. hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.